0: Let's all take our Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. In just a moment, we will look at verse 26 through 56. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. How many of you, you have uh, noticed that God has done something in your life that you didn't fully understand? Can anybody want to raise their hand on that? Sometimes God, we don't understand why he would do the things that he does. And the Bible says that's the way it is. We don't understand the ways of the Lord. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, said it this way in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. These are some verses, by the way, you need to be familiar with. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now think about that. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts that than your thoughts. Now, God's not being mean, but he is saying that he is smarter than us, and we ought to recognize that, accept that and understand that he knows all things and he has done all things well. His ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. Paul said the same thing in Romans 11:33 when he gave this wonderful doxology. He said, "Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom this is Romans 11:33 and knowledge how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways i can tell you i've lived long enough to know that god's going to do some things in your life and you won't understand them you won't but you can still trust god even when you don't understand him why do loved ones die at a relatively young age We don't know. We have to leave that with the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord. Why does God allow dishonest people to prosper in this world? We don't know. Why are some people born blind? Why are some people born lame? Why are some people born mentally deficient? And why in the world since 1973 has God allowed abortion in America To kill over 2,000 babies every day. Why? Nobody knows except the Lord. It doesn't mean that He wants it to happen, but why does He allow these things? Why do things happen? These strange acts are permissive acts of God. They're mysteries. God does work in mysterious ways. That's not a scripture, but it is a scriptural concept. And when you start studying, the birth of Jesus, there are some mysterious, unexplainable things taking place. How can you explain God causing aged Zechariah and Elizabeth to become pregnant when they were past the time of childbearing and to have John the Baptist, the, for, the prophetic forerunner who would pave the road and prepare the way for the Christ? And how can you understand God selecting a young virgin, probably a teenager, Mary, to become pregnant with the Christ child? And how can you explain God supernaturally convincing Joseph, to whom she was engaged or betrothed, that Mary had been faithful to him and that the child in her womb was indeed the Son of God? How in the world did God persuade him to marry her even though she was pregnant with the Lord Jesus Christ? And how in the world, it's so mysterious, why, in the, why did Caesar Augustus yield to this prompting, I believe, from the Lord? Because the Bible says the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. The most powerful man in the known world was compelled I believe by God, even though he didn't know God, but he was in that position to decree a census be taken that would cause Mary and Joseph, and she was pregnant with Jesus, to leave Nazareth way up in the north to go 70 miles south, go past Jerusalem, and go to the little bitty town of Bethlehem from which they both had descended. Why would God do that? To fulfill. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 and following, that the Christ would be born not in Nazareth but in Bethlehem. Why would God have an emperor to get the whole empire stirred up just to move one couple that had the Christ with them down to Bethlehem? And why would God see fit to have a choir of angels just come down to those shepherds in Bethlehem and announce the birthplace of Christ. Well, I don't understand the miracles of God. I don't understand the ways of God, but I know that when God chose Mary, he chose a woman of God. I want to say to all of you ladies out there, you should have, every one of you ladies out there, all of you women, you should have in your goal... The primary goal of your life should be to be a woman of God, to be a woman after God's own heart, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Mary is a great example of that. I want us to look at Mary and the Messiah. When we think of Mary and the Messiah, the first thing we see is the purity of the Messiah, purity of Mary as well. But the purity of Messiah. We see that in a conversation between Mary and an angel named Gabriel. This is the same Gabriel that we read about in the Old Testament prophetic book of Daniel. It's also the same Gabriel who appeared in Matthew chapter 1 to Mary's uh, future husband, that would be Joseph. The Bible says in verse 30, 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. I want to say this to you. I'd love to do a series on angels and how they act. They just do what God tells them to do. (laughs) They don't bicker. You know, they they don't get mad. They don't say anything back to God. They just say, yes, sir, whatever you want. The Bible says in the sixth month, the sixth month of what? the pregnancy of Elizabeth with John the Baptist. We'll see that momentarily. It was the sixth month that she, six months since she had miraculously in her old age been impregnated with John the Baptist by her husband, Zechariah. And the Bible says in verse 27, Gabriel was sent from God to a virgin, this is Mary, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. All the Jews knew that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Jeremiah 23, 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he, that's the Messiah, will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. Jesus himself said, In Revelation chapter 22, that he was a descendant of David. Revelation 22, 16, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root, and I am the descendant of whom? Say it out loud. David, the bright and morning star. And then we read in verse 28, And coming in, he, Gabriel, said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. I would encourage you to study in your Bible the concept of the favor of Almighty God. You should pray all the time for God to put His favor upon you and your family and the ones that you love. The Bible says that God favored this girl. The Lord was with her. His manifest presence was upon her. God chose this financially poor yet morally and spiritually pure young girl. God does those kind of things. God chooses people that mankind would not normally choose, and you ought to be thankful for that. I heard somebody say a long time ago, God must like regular people. He sure made a lot of us. Can anybody identify with that out here? God just god nobody would have chosen Mary. To bear the Christ child except God the first sermon I ever heard Adrian Rogers preach was at Union University in chapel and he preached from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 and following and was about this whole concept that God chooses people that nobody else would choose except God remember dear brothers text says in 1 Corinthians 1 26 and following and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes are powerful or wealthy when God called you now that's a very polite way of saying y'all are not very smart but God chose you anyway I like the way Paul said it don't you he's a little bit kinder Instead, God chose things, verse 27, the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them all to bring to nothing, used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important as a result. Now, here's the reason God does this. No one can ever boast in the presence of God. You can't brag about God using you because he just chooses plain old nobodies like you and me, and he uses us so that he, not you, so that he gets all the glory. He will share his glory with no one because God's glory would burn us alive. We would die from the glory of God, and it's a merciful thing that he won't do it. He wants all the glory to go to him, and that's not Being selfish, it's just meaning he's the only one that can handle that. Verse 29, and she was very perplexed at this statement. She kept pondering what kind of salutation this would be. Greetings, favor one. The Lord is with you. Nobody had ever talked to her like that. I'm sure she looked around saying, who are you talking to? I mean, there's got to be somebody else in the room. But indeed, Gabriel was talking with Mary. Look at verse 30. The angel said to her, don't be afraid. I love that. Anytime an angel shows up and listen to me. They're just reflecting the glory of God, and yet the glory of God is so much on them, they have to say to people who encounter them, don't be afraid. Can you imagine what it would be like to see God himself? Not the reflection of that glory, but the very very origin of that glory, where he's literally the glory of God. You would fall down, and I'm telling you, it would burn you up unless God protected you. He said don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You found favor with God. Don't be afraid. And he called her by name. Aren't you glad God knows you by name? I love it when God, when Jesus was walking through Jericho and he had never met Zacchaeus and he looks up in the tree, little bitty Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd. He gets up in the tree and I bet he, I just bet Zachari- that uh, Zacchaeus almost fell out of the tree when he said, Zacchaeus, he knew his name. Come down out of the tree and look at me. He knows your name. He knew your name before you were born. He knows everything about you and he loves you. Mary, he calls her by name. You have found favor with God. Again, one of my favorite verses about the favor of God is Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us establish the work of our hands for us yes establish the work of our hands and then gabriel gave mary the details of her child if she would accept this great honor and privilege verse 31 behold you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son you'll name him jesus now this is before any mechanisms to tell you what the gender of the child is you're going to bear a son and you're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son even though you're a virgin and you shall name him Jesus. Why Jesus? What does Jesus mean? Jehovah is salvation. And we read in Matthew 1:21 when Gabriel was talking to Joseph, the husband of Mary. He said she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is Jehovah and Jesus is Jehovah who saves. He saves his people from their sins. Verse 32, he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High God. He'll be called the Son of God. Jesus was called that by the Father at his baptism. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He was called that at his transfiguration. This is my Son. Listen to him. Jesus is the unique Son of God. And the Bible says, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. That is, he will be the leader of all the Jews forever. He'll be their Messiah. The Jews today are still looking for the Messiah, but they need to look back because he's already come. His name is Jesus. And his kingdom will have no end. That's what the prophet Daniel Predicted in Matt in Daniel seven fourteen to him the Messiah was given dominion glory and a kingdom that all the peoples nations men of every language might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed I like to remind myself of that I love that text and I just hit my iPad and it messed me up I got to find my text again let me find it for you don't you love iPads oh they're beautiful they're so wonderful. Where is it? Where is my? There it is. There it is. There it is. Right there. Okay, great. And he said that. Uh, and I forgot what I said, so I'll just go on. Okay, all right here we go. All right. What verse was I on? Somebody tell me what verse was I on. Thirty-two. Ah, Daniel. That's where I was. Yes, chapter seven, verse fourteen. When he said, "You will have an everlasting dominion," and Mary's humble, bewildered reaction. To his words look at verse 34 Mary said to the angel how can this be since I am a virgin I want to ask you do you believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ I have seen some of the most pitiful discussions about that saying well the Bible only mentions it twice and it's never in the epistles so you don't have to believe in the virgin birth of Christ let me tell you why that is not the case. You have to believe in the virgin birth of Christ. If Jesus had not been born of a virgin, he would have been born with a sinful nature. We'll see this momentarily. And he would have been more inclined to sin. Jesus was not born with a sinful nature, not the seed of man, the seed of Adam, like you and I have, that gives us a sinful nature. But he was born of a virgin free from sin. And then, he did not yield to sin during his lifetime the bible says in verse 35 the angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you and for that reason the holy child shall be called the son of god mary the virgin is the first one to say i don't understand the virgin birth i mean the virgin was doubting the virgin birth. And so he explains to her, the Holy Spirit is going to ep come upon you and overshadow you, and you will miraculously conceive apart from the seed of man or of Adam. You are going to miraculously be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, have you ever heard that word come upon you. The Spirit shall come upon you. Who wrote the gospel of Luke? Luke. In chapter 1, he says, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and Jesus will literally be formed in your body. When you get to Acts chapter 1, who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. And what did he say in Acts 1-8? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, now listen, has come upon you. Eberchimai and you shall be my witnesses. And what he's saying there is, just like Jesus was placed into the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit coming up on her at now that you're saved, now that the Spirit of God is coming to dwell, He's going to dwell in you, and Jesus will dwell in you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will have Jesus in your spirit and in your heart, just like Mary had Jesus in her womb the Bible says that God was going to do this and then Gabriel strengthened her faith in verse 36 he said behold anytime you see that word that means it's a big promise coming a big thing's about to happen even your relative Elizabeth that means that not only Elizabeth and Mary were related to one another but Jesus and John the Baptist were as well has also conceived a son in her old age. and She had done it by Zechariah, her husband. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And I love verse 37. Let's all read it out together, good and strong. Here we go. For nothing will be impossible with God. Say it again. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing, not even you, a virgin, having a baby. Elizabeth was too old to have a child. I took care of that. God took care of that. You are a virgin. God can take care of that. Nothing is impossible with God. And then, in my humble opinion, I believe there was a dramatic pause in heaven. She had been offered the opportunity to obey the command of the Lord. But I want to say this to you. God never forces anybody to do anything, ever. He gives them the, he'll give you the opportunity to live for him he'll give you the opportunity to obey him but he will not force you and so he he offers this wonderful gift to Mary will you accept it and I believe the angels were just looking and saying will she accept will she?" and don't you love her humble response may this be our response at all times anything God says look at verse 38 and Mary says behold and I can just see her lifting her little hands behold I am the bond slave the servant of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word isn't that just like what Jesus taught us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven the longer you live the more you will be inclined just to surrender and say God I don't know what's best. Whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want, God, that's what I want. God, lead me. Just show me the way, and you choose my path. Private gains, reporting for duty. Whatever you say, God, not my will, but thine be done. That's what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's exactly what Mary prayed as well. Behold, I'm just the the slave of the Lord. I'm just the bondservant of the Lord. Be it done to me whatever you want, God, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Oh, the purity of the Messiah. Now, let me talk to you uh, again. When you were conceived... The reason the virginal birth of Jesus is so important, and I'll I'll move on. And don't worry, the last two points of the sermon don't last as long as the first point, all right? So chill, all right? When you were conceived in your mother's womb, you at conception inherited a sinful nature. Somebody would say, what do I have to do to be a sinner? Nothing. Nothing. You already are a sinner. You're a sinner by nature. You're a sinner by conception. Why do you think even little children can be selfish? Not an amen in the bunch. But you know they can be, don't you? Oh, the first word they learn is, my, or no. Why don't they learn, yes. Or whatever. No, they don't do that, do they? And look, they don't do this first, they do this first. Why is that? Sin. We are prone to wander. We are inclined to be selfish. We want it our way. What did the psalmist say? What did David say in Psalm 51 verse 5? For I was born a sinner, but it's even worse than that. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, I was even a sinner in my mother's womb. Romans 5.12, Paul said, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Jesus is the only one to be born of a virgin. Therefore, Jesus is the only one without a sinful nature And he's the only one who never sinned. That's why it's so important for Jesus to be born of a virgin. And this talks about the purity of God's work. Nowadays, pretty much anything goes. You know, if you want to live together before you get married, I, I read a recent article and it says that. Almost 60%, it was 59% of all adults in America ages 18 to 24 have at one time or another lived with somebody intimately without being married. And they call it cohabitation. I'm not trying to be ugly, but the Bible doesn't call it cohabitation. The Bible calls it fornication. And the Bible says if you don't repent of it, you don't go to heaven. You say, where in the world did you get that? You know my answer, the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and following. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now let me, before I read these these sins here, this list, first, first of all, it turns out good at the end because they repent, but it doesn't mean if you've ever committed one of these sins that you automatically go to hell, but it does mean that if you've committed these sins and you don't repent of them, it's indicative of the fact that you don't know the Lord and you are on your way to hell and not heaven. If you didn't get that, what I just said is crucial. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I am trying to say, though, that you've got to repent of sin if you want to be forgiven. And repent doesn't mean just say, I'm sorry. It means not only admit it, but it means to quit it and then commit it to the Lord. Listen to this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. There it is. Right out of the gate. First one mentioned. And what else? Idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, whole LGBTQ thing, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. He's saying, do you not be deceived? Neither them, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God but then I love verse 11. Look at this. And such were some of you. You say, well, I'm just immoral. That's the way my family's been. You don't ever say that. You can repent and you can say one day, such was I. I used to be that way. I used to be this, that, and the other. Any sin you name here, homosexuals, God can change them, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, thieves, covetous, revilers, swindlers, drunkards. You don't have to stay like that. Those are not sicknesses. Those are not just forms of life. Those are sins that can be repented of, and God can set you free. Such were, verse 11, some of you, but you've been washed you've been sanctified, set apart, and you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Can I have an amen? Amen. Aren't you glad for the forgiveness of God? Some of these Corinthians, they had been these things, but God had changed their lives. But it shows you what God thinks about cohabitation and adultery and homosexuality and all these other sins. Bible says also in Hebrews thirteen four, marriage is to be held in honor among all and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge if you want God to come after you then go commit sexual immorality and look at me he will wear you out he will discipline you if someone doesn't repent of fornication or adultery or any sexual sin they don't go to heaven. We talk about safe sex. God says, you want safe sex? Sacred sex is the way to safe sex. One man, one woman in marriage, that's it when it comes to sexuality. That's it. That is all there is. That's it. The Bible says, if we'll confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all And I thank God for that word all, unrighteousness. Sexually pure Mary became pregnant with the sinless Christ. So that's the purity of the Messiah, Mary and Magdalene, that interaction that she had with the angel. Now, let me show you another interaction that she had. And when we think of Mary and the Messiah, we think secondly of the proof of the Messiah, Mary and Elizabeth. How would she be affirmed? She accepted the duty and the responsibility of bearing the Messiah. But don't you think this little girl needed some confirmation and some affirmation? Sure she did. Some encouragement. Look at verse 39. Now it came about at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias... And greeted Elizabeth. Now we know they're relatives. The Bible has already told us that. And look at verse 41. This is encouraging. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, not the fetus, not the mass of tissue, the baby, this is an unborn baby, this is John the Baptist, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now look at me. That says a lot, does it not? I mean, John the Baptist is in his mother's womb, and John the Baptist is a baby, a living human being, so much so that when Mary walks in and Jesus is in her womb, He is put on this earth for one thing, and that is to exalt and point everybody to Christ. And so when the Christ walks into the room, and they're both in the womb, I got news for you. Jesus didn't get excited about John the Baptist. John the Baptist got excited about Jesus. And we have a hard time getting excited about Jesus, but John the Baptist in the womb said, oh, there's the one that I'm going to preach about. There's the one I'm going to die for. There's the one I'm going to say, he must increase, I must decrease. Oh, I try to be conversational with y'all, but I tell you, this is a real important thing right here. Mary needed some encouragement. She was pregnant out of wedlock, and yet she was still a virgin. And she needed something in way. Confirmation. Aren't you glad that when God does something, He will constantly affirm you and confirm His word in you and say you're going in the right direction? I want to tell you something. Just because God chooses you doesn't mean things are going to be easy. We want easy. We want we just want a cushioned life. We just want easy things to happen. I got news. That's not the way God works. When God chooses you, it's probably going to be tough. It's probably going to be hard. It was hard for Mary. But God affirmed her through a baby getting excited. And Elizabeth began to worship Jesus, not Mary. She cried out with a loud voice, verse 42, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened that the mother of my Lord would come to me. She didn't worship Mary. Now, with all due respect, the Roman Catholics, when they pray, they'll pray to Mary. Look at me. Don't pray to Mary. She's not listening. She's in heaven worshiping Jesus. Don't pray to Mary. You're never told to pray to Mary. Don't pray to Mary. Don't worship Mary. Don't venerate Mary. She wouldn't want you to. In fact, it's just not right to do that. Look at me. You don't worship Mary. You worship Jesus her son and that's what this sweet woman did the mother of my Lord has come to me verse 44 for behold when the sound of your greeting reached my ears the baby leaped in my womb for joy and then I love verse 45 verse 45 you need to circle it you need to underline it you need to highlight it what it says is when God gives you a promise It doesn't just automatically come true. Look at me. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it by faith in order for it to come true. God will give you a promise, and you can pray it back to him, but you've got to pray in faith. You've got to believe God. Some things happen. Whether you pray or not, some things only happen when you pray in faith. And notice what Elizabeth says to Mary in verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Oh, blessed confirmation. Blessed confirmation. Mary needed to be encouraged. Mary needed to know that the baby in her womb was really the Messiah, and John the Baptist started leaping when Jesus in her womb walked in and he was in the womb of Elizabeth and understand Elizabeth got a word from God about what it was all about and and explained everything that was happening and it was a confirmation from God oh that's the proof of the Messiah Mary and Elizabeth so Mary and the Messiah we see Mary and Gabriel that's the purity of the Messiah we see Mary and Elizabeth that's the proof of the Messiah But then perhaps the exclamation point on the whole thing, the praise for the Messiah. Let's see Mary as she talks to God. If you really want to see somebody's heart, watch them worship and praise God. Look at verse 46. It's a beautiful hymn, if you will, of the early church called the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul exalts or magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced In God, my Savior. Mary just burst forth and said, you know what? Even though I'm pregnant, out of wedlock, and some people won't understand, and some people will look down upon me, I will bear that Shame knowing that I have been pure morally and spiritually, and that the Christ child is in my womb. Oh, my soul exalts the Lord. I want to ask you when you come and you worship in this room, do you really worship, or do you just sing? Okay, I'll, I'll just sing, and okay, I'll listen to the preacher preach a little bit, and then I'll go home. I've done my duty. Is that it, or do you really engage? Do you say, my soul, my soul is involved in this sermon. I want to hear from God. My soul is involved in this song. I want to sing to God. My soul exalts the Lord. I don't exalt the world. I exalt the Lord. I don't exalt my problems. My problems are not bigger than my God. My God is bigger than my problems. I'm going to exalt the Lord. I want to say this to you. What you magnify in life is what you're going to worship and bow down to. Quit bowing down to your problems. Quit being negative and start saying, I will exalt and magnify the Lord my God, not the problems out there. And my spirit has rejoiced in what? In God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one, has done great things for me and holy is his name. All of us can say that. Keep that one up there just a moment. Let's all read and let's all say verse 49 and let's just make it a, a faith declaration. Say it out loud, good and strong. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. How many of you can say God has done great things for me? Anybody out there? How many of you can say holy is his name? Amen. Do you see this woman worshiping? Don't, it's a real girl, teenage girl, pregnant with Jesus, worshiping Almighty God. And then she starts praying Scripture, one of my favorite things out of Psalm 103 verse 17. And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm, and He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers From their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty handed. God's miraculous power was not just coming on some socially elite person, but upon the poor, the seemingly insignificant, and God was doing these things. It was a social revolution, it was a spiritual revolution. God was leveling all mankind before Jesus Christ. And Mary praised the Lord for sending Christ to him. Verse 54. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This is a fulfillment, she was saying, of the covenant of God all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 12. Oh, thank you, Lord, for letting me bear the Messiah. And Mary stayed with her about three months. I personally believe she was there when John the Baptist was born. If you add six months to three months, that's nine months. Last time I checked, that's about how long it takes to have a baby, all right? And then she returned to her home. Why why would she not stay and see John the Baptist be born? She realized that God had blessed her. She broke out in unbridled praise. I want to say this to you. Don't you ever be ashamed of magnifying the Lord. Don't you ever be ashamed of knowing Jesus Christ and talking about him to other people. I want to say this to you. Sometimes you'll talk to people about the Lord or you'll brag on the Lord and they don't like it. Sometimes the name of Jesus can bring great peace to people, but can also trouble people and make people angry. There is no more divisive person on, in, in the universe than Jesus Christ. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring a sword. I'm going to divide. Some people will love me. Some people will hate me. And really, to be frank with you, most people don't want to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Said, you enter through a narrow gate to come to me. You'll walk a narrow road if you walk with me, and few are they that find me. But oh, the bliss of walking with Jesus. I'm so grateful for Mary, aren't you? I want to say this to you. I don't think any human being would have ever chosen Mary, but I believe God knew what was in her heart. God doesn't see like we see, we look on the outward appearance but not God. God looks at the heart, and God knew that that girl was the perfect choice to be the mother of the Son of Almighty God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for Mary and the Messiah. Let's pray together. Our Father, we love you today. We thank you for this day. We thank you for Mary. What a woman of God. What a woman of God. Thank you, Lord, that she encountered Gabriel and manifested the purity of the Christ. She encountered Elizabeth. She manifested the proof of the coming of Christ. And then, Lord, she encountered you and gave you praise for the Christ. Thank you for Mary thank you for great godly women but most of all thank you for Jesus we pray in his name with our heads bowed if you don't know the Lord I'd like to lead you right now in a prayer where you can receive Christ to be your Lord and Savior if you will repent of your turn from your sins and believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins To believe that he rose from the dead to give you eternal life and if you'll receive him by calling on his name through prayer you'll be saved now if you just mouth some words that some preacher says that doesn't mean anything but if you'll genuinely pray and repent of your sins believe in Jesus savingly and receive him as Lord and Savior he'll save you right now and I'd like to lead you in that right now if you don't pray these exact words that's fine but you pray similar words and ask Christ to save you say something like this Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would save me even now. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. I believe that you died on the cross and you paid the penalty for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead and you're alive. And I receive you now. I call on your name. Please save me right now, Lord Jesus. Wash me and cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God come upon me. And let Jesus live within me. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.